You'd think that with how many times you've been on the show, you might be able to do beatbox. Oh, okay. Beatboxing better than that damn beatboxing. Terrible. You're terrible. Do it again. Not right now. <laughs> no, no, no. What am I doing? That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant at all. I will I will take your toes off. Oh. Not you. Okay. The dog. It's a really weird and very aggressive threat, lady. Mm-hmm. I don't appreciate that. Um, so let's not do that. Yes, those are glasses from the 3D house of HHN. Yeah, put them on. It's going to completely fuck your vision up. Enjoy. Look at all the lights. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, boy. Okay, well, um, as I think I said last week, it's getting kind of confusing because I recorded... (sighs) You focus. I am focused. Well, technically, I'm in triple focus. Oh, my God. We recorded the next episode before this one. So I'm kind of confused on what I said, but anyways, you're going to be getting two episodes today. Uh, this episode where me and Gabby are talking about Hellboy and the next episode where me and Corey talk about our 31 days of horror. And then after that, starting uh, in the second week of October, you're going to be getting Slash Tober, which is going to be awesome. I probably I think I said that on the other episode and got really excited about it. So you're going to hear it twice. You're going to hear me say it really calmly now and then really excited uh, at the end of the next episode. So uh, without further ado, welcome to episode 113, if I'm correct. I think I am. Uh, I'm your host, Austin Proctor. Over there with uh, glasses on is Gabrielle Proctor. Hello. Your other host. I had to take them off. I couldn't actually read the screen. I can't even hear you. I said I had to take them off. I couldn't read the screen. No. Okay. I'm here now. Not very loud. You're like really. Abo- I'm here now. You're really above the mic. Well, who put this here? I don't know. I did. <laughs> okay. Well, fix get it your then. shit together. Oh, it's because it's tilted down. Tilted up a little bit. That's Tilt why. Your face up a little bit. What's wrong with your face? Not that. Yeah, that. There you go. Is that better? I mean, kind of. You're still very low. It's fine. Is that better? Holy cow! What volume do you want me at? Pivot. You pivot. Uh, yeah, so we are doing Hellboy movies today. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that these movies were listed as horror, and I am wrong on that. I really thought I checked that, but I guess they're not. Oh, well, it's creatures and fun mystery action adventure fantasy stuff, so f- fucking whatever. We don't always have to do strictly horror. This is horror adjacent. It's also Del Toro, so, you know. Yeah. 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 Um... I don't think I had anything to say up top. Um, we probably should, though, because I know we got we got to fill some time here. Well, I could uh, kind of briefly explain Hellboy's origins here, um, if that's okay with you. That's fine. Yeah, no, we can talk about Hellboy. Is there anything? Oh, oh, did we mention? Um, 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 uh, oh my God, Mike Flanagan's new joint. What's it called? Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. We've yeah. watched. One episode. Yeah, we watched one episode. We Everyone else has seen the whole show at this point. And so you, yeah, um, and I mentioned how me and you were gonna watch the first episode on the next on the next episode of this podcast. It's gonna get really confusing listening to these two on the same day. Maybe listen to one fourteen first and then come back to this one because we recorded that one first. We're eventually gonna watch the rest of it. Um, it's just been extremely hectic here. So oh, yeah. we did do a um private tour i don't know if you mentioned that nope I, no. uh so um last friday we i know last time you and i were on the podcast together we mentioned that um we took well we didn't take my mother paid um 
my family and our BFF will to Halloween Horror Nights and we did the private RIP tour. Um, my parents haven't been in years. My sister's wanted to go four years and she's never been. Um, my brother's been before too, but it's been a while. Um, so they had a great time. Uh, we had a really great tour guide. Um, and you know, we got to have fun snacks. Um, we got to watch people scare the bejesus out of my mother a lot. And, um, that was worth the price of admission that we didn't pay. I was going to say, we didn't even all pay for that. All on its own. Um, I, I would pay good money to watch her walk through haunted houses. Well, we got it for free, so why would you pay for it? Well, I'm just saying it was <laughs> worth it. It would be worth money to she watch had a, that. She had a kung fu stance going on, kind of like uh, Into the Dragon. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Why am I trying to compare this to a kung fu movie? Like a martial arts movie. She's got a kung fu stance. She's got like, you know, one arm up in front of her face, the other one kind of by her head with the, with the two fingers out, and that's it. Just kind of go around the corners with really darty eyes, and I'm like... And Please don't karate chop anybody. That's not going to be good for, for anyone. Yeah, we walked into uh, Cafe La Bamba where you get to have um, snacks before you uh, get... You get to have, like, all-you-can-eat appetizers and desserts and uh, non-alcoholic drinks, though they have alcoholic drinks for sale um, in there. And there are a couple scare actors. Well, I guess she didn't realize the guy at the entrance was, in fact, a scare actor and not a prop, and he jumped at her, and she leapt in the air that was pretty funny and then later on when he was uh they were switching out the cast he also uh stood really close to her face um until she noticed him yeah which was pretty funny again so but overall it was awesome there uh, we got to experience private bars which we did not know about um well they were strictly for the rip tour anyway so yeah which we we just the last time we did it we didn't know about those so we didn't do those. Um, I mean to be fair we were not in control of our last RIP tour. It was kind of just like we were tag alongs. We were tag alongs and people had to keep stopping for a certain type of beer, which is Bud Light, which is ass beer. Honestly, I don't know why you're drinking that. So we had to go out of our way to find that beer, and they constantly had to stop the smoke. And I'm like, this is terrible. Thank God I did not pay for this. Yes, this time, however. Um, we it was just the family, so we were you know just all working together, uh, taking breaks here or there, um, and it was super fun. And then my parents booked out, and then all the kids did more houses. So yeah, we were there. The kids being people under the age of forty five. Okay, yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, we did. So let's see. We got there. Check in was at six. I think we started doing houses right after that. Let's just say like six thirty. We stayed... When did we leave? Like 12.30? We left at 1. 1? No, because yeah. it was 2.15 when I was laying down for bed. It takes at least 40 minutes to get back. Yeah. And I took a shower, too. Yeah. Let's say 12.30 for the sake of argument. You wanting to be right? No, I'm yeah. just, I am just just feel like 12.30 is more uh, accurate. Anyways, we, got, we left... So we were there for probably like six hours. We did 10 full houses. Well, 10 houses, and then we did another five after we did a complete lap. Which doesn't sound like a lot for six hours, but you have to remember we're walking at a slower pace. We're not, you know, because me, me and you go there, just or me, you and Will go there, just like beelining the houses, get the fuck out. But we had to stop for drinks, and we went to Cafe La Bamba a couple times, stopped at the bars. So had that some snacks. Yeah, that takes some time. And we also have to cut through like all these back ways, which kind of take more time. Instead of just going to the front of the house, we have to go like off to the side, back through, and then cut around. So certainly just- takes less time than the line. Well, yeah, it takes less time than waiting on the line, but it's just it it is kind of longer like a walking path to get there. But uh yeah, definitely fun and we went above Jimmy Fallon, which I didn't know existed either. 
and you get to sit on this little second story um, level looking out over the crowd that's waiting for... um, What are they waiting? What's that house they're waiting for? Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, Bride of Frankenstein, which is really cool. Got some dope pictures, and we all decided that that has to be a yearly thing because uh, getting RAP with or getting Express wasn't bougie enough we have to do an rip tour for whatever reason and i agree with that so it was super fun and even my and again um if we do that my mom was scared the whole time and uh she still went into every house mostly because she said i'm done and i said no no she was like oh you paid for this we're doing it super fun so that's fun i can't remember our tour guide's name like it was like uh alvaro no uh icaro 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 Yes, because my mom wouldn't stop calling him Icarus. She literally called him a different name every single time she spoke to him. And I'm like, dude, either call him by his right name or just say, hey, dude. Oh, no. She told him he was she was going to do that. And he said he didn't care. Oh, OK. Which okay. is what I said. All I'm right, like, all right, all right. That's fair. That's fair. OK. If he didn't care, I guess. But he also kind of had like. Yeah. One time is Ichabod Incubus, uh, which he really liked, I guess, because he likes the band. So whatever. So, yeah, he was cool. Shout out to him. That was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, definitely have to do that again next year. Oh, for sure. Oh, faux show. All right, what do you got? Okay, so tonight we're talking about Hellboy, which... Um, I don't know why you're so loud. I'm, I'm not... Ta- I can't talk any higher. <sighs> so Okay, it's just... It's just I can, you're so faint. Okay, well, I'm talking at a normal volume. All right, so sassy damn. Jeez. Okay, so we're talking about Hellboy. Um, Austin knows I really like the character of Hellboy. I have several, I have a couple action figures, Funkos, figurines, that kind of thing. Um, and I've done a lot of artwork based on him for no reason. So he was created by Mike Mignola back in, I believe it was 1993 was his first, um, cover appearance. 1990 or later in the year in August 1993 was his first full appearance in black and white and then in December 1993 um, was his first in color appearance in comics published by Dark Horse who also published all sorts of awesome comics if you like dark comics probably Dark Horse did them like the Buffy series um, and another one that's just entirely left my head uh, kick ass they did that too um so most people know who Hellboy is. He is a creature from another realm. He is half demon. He has extended life. Um, and it is a really cool comic series. They did these two movies that we're going to talk about. And they also did a movie um, was in 2019. Um, no, what do you mean? With David Harbour. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which unfortunately didn't do as well. Um, oh, it did terribly. And I think it's because people got super attached to Ron Perlman and could not cope with the idea that he is like 70 now and um, can't hey, be. Harrison Ford's still doing shit. He's in his 80s. Fucking what's his face? Old guy. Clint Eastwood just put a movie out that he wrote and directed and starred in and he's fucking 90. So there's no fucking excuse, Ron Perlman. Think Please. about how physical their know, most I'm, recent roles I'm are teasing, versus Hellboy. I'm, te- I'm teasing. Good grief. I'm just saying. Hellboy's um, main activity is getting yeeted across the room. Yeah, and unfortunately, you really can't have a stunt double for Hell. I mean, you can in a sense, but it takes like four hours to get him in makeup. So I really don't think there was really much of a stunt double for Ron Perlman. I don't know. I didn't see that in the trivia. I'm pretty sure he did most of his own stuff because all the makeup, unless there was a part where he was CG'd, obviously. Mm. But. I'm pretty well, there sure, was some. Yeah. Pretty sure he did most of his own stuff. But uh, 
Yeah, I just and I also I just don't feel, I think we I know we talked about this. I just didn't feel David Har- Harbor really. I don't know. Maybe it's because I like Ron Perlman so much, but I don't feel like he fit the character. I just wasn't vibing what he was doing. The only thing I really liked about that movie was the R rating, the blood, and the story. But like, and and me, Yovrich, obviously. Uh, always, always. Really I don't think I've ever um, seen her in something I, I didn't like. I mean, I like David Harbour. I do. I think he's a really good actor. Um, I I think it was missing that kind of uh, dark humor. That, Del Toro. Yeah. Maybe? <laughs> well, no, not just that. Um, I think uh, Ron Perlman has this kind of way that he talks and this like um, dark sense of humor, and it didn't quite translate the same over. Which I understand, because in a lot of things, when you're playing a dark character, sometimes, like the first one, the first iteration might be a little more goofy, where it uh, might have some more flexibility, whereas they want to keep, make sure they don't make it too bright on the the remake, so they make it darker, and then they kind of suck out some of the humor, and they're like, I understand what you guys were doing, but you could have left the humor in, and it would have been fine. Well, and it's the problem is, is the humor that they did put in the new Hellboy wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing at anything. It wasn't him. What, what? He wasn't the one cracking the jokes either. It was usually other people. No, I know. But anytime someone like, and I was like, I was in my head, I'm like, <laughs> am I supposed to laugh? Because that was, oh yeah, something was missing. And it's really sad because the guy who directed the new one also directed Dog Soldiers and The Descent. He also directed, what is the last thing he did? Oh, a, like a short from Tales of Halloween. So like. I don't think it really necessarily was his fault, um, but yeah, just David Harbour to me just wasn't a good fit for uh, Hellboy, and yeah, it was it was just missing something. Like I will say that the uh, violence was batshit insane in that movie. Well, and that's I what really I loved about it. it. Yeah, that's what I that was great. It's the whole climax of the film, you we were just like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, it was the that was great. The fact that it was rated R, um, but. <laughs> If it wasn't rated R, if it was PG thirteen, that movie would, I, I, yeah, it would have been a lot worse than it was because the good thing it had going for it was the gore and the fact that it was rated R, um, and it wasn't over two hours too. That's good. That's always a plus, especially for a well established, uh, certainly not a franchise. We got robbed of that third Hellboy. We really yes, did. we really did. But Do you know why? Do we know why? I don't yeah, know. I, I looked like that I... up, and it was partially because um, the week after. It- uh, the second Hellboy came out. Dark Knight was released, and totally, and I don't think they expected it to do so good because it totally blew Hellboy two out of the water, um, and that really hurt its box office numbers. And then it kind of got uh, stuck in development hell for like five years, and then by that point, like Ron Perlman was just not up for doing the long like makeup process. The story wasn't there, and they were just like, you know what? Instead of like dragging this out till the end of time, we're just going to call it and it's not happening, which is a damn shame because they really set it up um, for a third film and it would have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say something that went with that. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Wait till you see all the movies that came out. Not even just Dark Knight. Every single movie that is listed. Not even list all of them because it just got to be too long. Oh my God. I was like, this is like one of the greatest months of the year or like ever for movies. There was so many good ones. (laughs) Seriously. Um, All right. Well, I'm excited about this one. These are movies that uh, I've been watching for, well, actually I'm pretty sure I take that back. Hellboy I've been watching since pretty much the day it came out, but I'm pretty sure you were the first one to show me the second one. Either I didn't know it existed because I lived under a fucking rock or I just never sought it out or whatever. But I'm pretty sure you were the first one to show me that when we first started dating like four years ago. I'm, yeah. I believe. 
I genuinely don't remember how I happened into those films, but I know Hellboy 2 is my favorite because the uh, the um, kick up on the uh, creatures and the um, style overall, it's even more stylized than the first one. So I just adore it. Yeah, and I somehow remembered the second one better than I did the first one. To be fair, we did watch the director's cut, which is like 10 extra minutes. So that's probably maybe nice uh, that was peppered in, though. Yeah, exactly. Like, I like how... Uh, th- that's the cool thing about director's cuts. You really can't tell... It's it's hard to... T- unless you watch that movie religiously, it's kind of hard to tell. Like, I was like, is this new? I feel like this is new. And then you were confirming most of them. Um, I still think... I still swear there's some new shit in the beginning of that movie because I don't remember that dude just morphing into the portal. But again, I haven't seen this one in forever. Uh, so definitely recommend the director's cut for sure. Let's get into this shit here. So obviously the movie is Hellboy rated PG-13. Now, there's a two-hour and two-minute theatrical cut, and then there's a two-hour and 12-minute director's cut. We watched the director's cut because I had never seen it. Again, listed as an action fantasy. Could have sworn horror was thrown in there. Could have yeah, sworn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was because when I looked at Del Toro <laughs> films, I was pretty sure this came up under horror. Yeah, uh, so I don't know. I guess fucked up on that one. Whatever. These are still great movies. Uh, released on April 2nd, 2004, directed by the man himself, Del Toro. Uh, this is low key a uh, run like a uh, like a sequel to our Del Toro episode, since he directed both of these. Um, this is starring Ron, not Ron Perkman. Ron Perlman is Hellboy. He, uh, if you don't know him by now, it, you will at least know him from the last thing we reviewed him in, which was Kronos. Uh, we've got John Hurt as Doctor Broom. He was also in the original Alien as Kane. Then we have Selma Blair as Liz Sherman. She was in Cruel Intentions as Cecile. Cecile. Caldwell, Rupert Ever, <laughs> Rupert Evans as John Myers. He was also in The Boy as Malcolm. And there was a couple other people that were above Doug Jones, but I was like, no, 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 no. We got to include Doug Jones because he's awesome as Abe Sapien. Uh, he's been in all sorts of shit. You probably don't know what he looks like because he's always in some sort of suit. Yep. All the time. He was the uh, monster in the attic and wreck. He was the fish from Shape of Water, which is funny enough because he was also directed by Del Toro, so he plays Fish Man for two of he Del was Toro's. He Head and Mystery Men. He was the Ice Cream Man and Legion. Ice Cream Legion. Man, yeah, and Legion. Okay, so yeah, okay, that's probably the one, you know, one of the things he's not in a costume as the uh, Legion. He's That is definitely Doug Jones. And he's Billy and Hocus Pocus. That too. Okay, so he does make face appearances. Well, Sometimes. he was in prosthetics then, too. Well, okay, then never mind. He was a zombie. Ah, uh, okay. So uh, this movie cost $66 million to make gross $99 million. Uh, I mean, you know, that's still solid. That's like half the budget they made back over, you know, so it's not terrible. But I don't think, uh, I feel like most production companies would be like, well, this could have done better. You know, like, I don't know how they view... A $33 million gross. Now, this isn't including home sales and merchandise. Obviously, this is just box office. So, um, God, I'm out of breath from that bike ride. Oh, my God. I'm so out of shape. We got bikes. So, movies that came out around the same time. uh, A lot of bangers here. We got Hidalgo, Underrated, Viggo Mortensen Joint, uh, Starsky and Hutch, Secret Window, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, Kill Bill Volume 2, the Punisher, 13 Going on 30, and Man on Fire. Some pretty solid movies mixed in there. I've seen all of those, and I have to say for the record, Scooby-Doo 2 was not, not as great. good as Scooby-Doo 1. Yeah. yeah. That happens sometimes, and that's probably why they didn't get a... It's funny, because it's like the opposite of these movies. Like, Hellboy 1, awesome. Hellboy 2, like still awesome. 
doesn't get a third one. And then, you know, you have Scooby-Doo one and two. And they're like, yeah, it's a cartoon dog. It's a cartoon fucking dog. It looks like if you watch that movie, I watched it. I started it recently and I got five minutes in. I was like, I can't do it. This, the fucking CG dog looks so bad. Like terrible. It's a classic. Yeah. And it's good. I was, I just need to be in the mood for that. And I, and I heard him talk and I saw him on screen. I was like, I'm not in the mood for this right now. Um, so yeah. Now, specific horror moments, there's really not much horror in this, but I'd have to say mine's probably when they stab that guy and all his blood runs out, and that's how they summon back Rasputin. That was pretty fucking dope. Or the uh, Wilhelm scream into the portal when he gets sucked in, that was pretty dope. Um, and I mean, just the beast in general, What uh, Samuel, 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 or however you say his name, is it, is, isn't there like a weird inflection on it, or is it just Samuel? Uh, Sam, Samuel. 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 He was really cool. He's a kind of like a HP Lovecraftian like the looking. Tentacle, yeah. He's like an ape dog with tentacles on his head. Yeah, very, I got very Lovecraftian vibes off of that. Um, so anything you that stuck out to you kind of horror-wise, even though this is no horror movie apparently? Um, yeah, I was going to say Samuel. Um, yeah, he's That dope. whole bit is uh, fun, and I, I like um, the whole bit where he's like eating people hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, and uh, he's. I always, every time I watch that movie, I can never see where that like bone thing is that he uses to rip shit. And I saw it this time finally because uh, I just never cared about rewinding it. But it's kind of like a thing that tucked up like on like behind his like right front leg. And I was like, oh, that. So I was like, where the fuck is this thing coming from? Every time I watch this movie, uh, which is really cool. It's like literally like a like a bone like javelin that he just rips shit open with. It's pretty cool if you haven't seen the movie. Um, were you gonna say something? No. Oh, I thought you were going to talk more about Sam. Sam, I will. I am. No. Okay. Well, uh, I guess that leads us to the review. Let me pull out all my notes here. So um, there's a lot of shit that happens in the first few minutes of this movie. Oh, like a lot. So uh, movie opens on an island off the coast of Scotland where we see a young Professor Broom who's played by a different man other than John Hurt. And uh, he is requesting that the military personnel be giving rosary beads before continuing on the assignment. But the sergeant kind of just laughs at Broom, thinking he's a paranoid man. American troops arrive on the set of uh, ruins and find a group of Nazi-led, sorry, Nazi scientists led by Rasputin and his mistress. Is it Isa? Isa? It's double I-S-A. Isa? Uh, How do you pronounce the name? I felt it was Elsa. Elsa? Maybe those are an I and an L. Yeah, I was you want to look sure that up real quick. Elsa. <laughs> I might have typed that wrong. I don't know what's going on there. It looks like two I's, an S, and an A. That's okay. You also typed out uh, Ron Perkman. I, I I already mentioned that. We are we have moved on past that lady. Yeah, but it's still funny. Okay then. Well, you're gonna tell me what her name is, and I'm gonna keep going here. Um, so they're protected by this mysterious figure in a gas mask named Cronin, who's repair, reportedly Hitler's top assassin. Yes, it's Ilsa. Ilsa. And uh, Cronin is this badass looking dude with a mask and he looks very like his, his costume is quite simple, except for the intricacies of his vest that he has. So dope. If I had the time and patience, I would probably try to cosplay him at some point. But yeah, uh, so it's at this point. What? But also you don't want to dress up as a Nazi. What? Because he's got like a swastika. On his it's head. the it's a character. I'm. It would be for like Megacon. Like I feel, I feel like people would be like, "Oh, you're a Nazi! Get out of here!" It's from a fucking movie. Like whatever. Anyways, God, rude. 
Uh, Rasputin attaches himself to this mysterious device designed to open a portal to another dimension and awaken forces known as the Seven Gods of Chaos. Just as the portal opens, though, the American troops launch grenades into the site, killing some uh, some scientists. Cronin attacks the Americans, killing several of them and wounding Broom in the leg. Broom crawls over a fallen soldier and picks up this grenade and uh, hurls it just beneath the portal. Um... Cronin breaks off his attack, trying to remove the grenade, but he cannot get to it in time. The grenade explodes, destroying the portal. Cronin's right hand is also mixed up in that. And then Cronin is also impaled by a fragment from the portal and is presumed dead. Rasputin is unexpectedly sucked into the portal, which closes it. And that was such a wild, wild fucking scene. Or that whole intro was so awesome. And then we go back over to Broom, who's like bandaging his leg. Telling the soldiers to like search the island, like you know, fearing that something may have come out of it or out of the portal uh, before they could close it. And then they come across a strange like red. He called him, they called him like an ape-like creature. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's got this massive stone hand. Everyone's kind of like, what the fuck? But then Broom is like, no, 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 hold on a second. Let me get, let me try something. Brings out a baby Ruth candy bar, which is just like, uh, isn't Chunk from this uh, from the Goonies? Doesn't he have baby Ruth too? Right? Yes. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny, Hellboy, or then they and then they name him uh, Hellboy for obvious reasons because he's bright red with horns. Um, yep. And then we get our uh, movie credits that lead us into the movie, and uh, we fast forward forty six years into the future, and obviously a much older Professor Broom is being uh, he's being examined by doctors, and the findings are not good. He's got cancer. Nothing can be done about it. It's terminal, and it's actually kind of sad. And ironic that he died of pancreatic. Like, John Hurt actually passed away. I think it was because of pancreatic cancer. Oh, shit. So it's like, ah, that's unfortunately ironic. Um, so, what? Um, you actually just reminded me, um, the the girl who plays the main character in Heathers, or who plays the main Heather in Heathers, yeah. she has a whole line She uh, who says, uh, what did you eat, brain tumors for breakfast? And it's one of her most famous lines, and she did, in fact, die of a brain tumor. That's because that, that shit like that is crazy. That shit like that is crazy. Uh, so yeah, we, yeah, he's got cancer. Nothing can be done. Um, and then meanwhile, while that's going on, we have a guy in a scooter who is arriving at this waste management plant. He uh, activates a speaker phone up at the front of the plant. Identifies himself as John Myers. He is a recent graduate of the FBI training program, and he's reporting for his first assignment. So he's taken downstairs, um, ends up in the middle of this gigantic library, which is such a cool fucking set. It's this huge library with a uh, with a giant aquarium, and that's where Abe Sapien is. Professor Broom arrives and uh, introduces Abe Sapien to John Myers, and he tells him that Abe is uh, very special. He has a very unique brain. He can, you know, he can like basically he can touch something and kind of get a feel for what happened. Like, if you go to a crime scene, he can touch the ground or touch an object or something, and he can determine what happened, which is really cool. He's got, you know, telekine- or telepathic abilities, and uh, if someone, like that whole scene when he, um, Professor Broom puts his hand on top of Abe's, and then he puts his hand, and Abe puts his other hand on top of his, he's able to show people what happened. And, like, that's just such a cool little, like, plot device in oh, this Abe movie. Abe is a kick-ass character. Oh, he's so cool. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of an interesting thing about Abe, um, Abe Sapien, do, 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 do. Oh yeah. So then, uh, Broom is, uh, he tells him that this is the BRPD or the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Myers is their newest ally in defeating evil or whatever, he's, whatever you want to call it. He's 
Hellboy's handler. He's the hand. He's Hellboy's handler. Well, yeah, but he's yeah. That's what I'm saying. Newest ally, you know, like he's he's, he's he, in the club. He's in the club. Uh, then the scene shifts to snowy mountains far, far away, and Ilsa and Cronin are hiking to this sacred location uh, with a guide. Once they get there, they kill the guide and then use his blood to resurrect Rasputin, as I already said. So you know shit's going to go down now that Rasputin is back. Also, what a cool character pull to put in this movie. Like, Rasputin is like someone who's definitely underused in cinema. Like, what are we about to go see? The Kingsman? Where Rasputin's yeah. in? Yeah, like, hell yeah, dude. Rasputin's like such a cool... That'll be the third movie I've seen him in as a villain. Because also Anastasia. Oh, True. Um, so then we go back to Myers and he's given a brief history on the BRPD and its activities. And then he is introduced to his superior agent, Clay. Broom gives Myers uh, two baby Ruth bars and wishes him well on his journey to meet Hellboy. So uh, Clay introduces Myers to Hellboy and Hellboy's like super um, unamused. Uh, he's very, yeah, he's indifferent. He's less than eager, whatever you want to call it, uh, about seeing him. He's like, great, just another babysitter to make sure I live under these fucking Nazi regime rules. See what I did there? Anyways, um, so yeah, midway through their introduction, alarm sounds off and Hellboy like looks up. He's like, time to go to work. And um, so you kind of get the feel that obviously whenever this red light goes off, uh, danger is afoot. There's evil in the midst, you know? Yeah, that's what you got going on. So um, we go to a newscaster and she's talking about an alarm that was triggered at a local museum. Uh, no, no response has come from inside from the guards. So Clay brings Hellboy and Abe Sapien to the museum because there is a report of a large monster of some sorts. And uh, Professor Broom explains that uh, there was a statue. What? I was going to say um, they are also brought undercover in a disguised um, dump truck. Yeah, that's why. um uh, yeah, they're, so they, that's what I said. And when he goes in the beginning of the movie, when John goes to this assignment, he's like a waste management plant. So, yeah, they are using the, yeah, like the dump trucks to kind of, you know. Which not... is a nice metaphor how they kind of, uh, how Hellboy, Hide the trash. Hellboy feels like um, he's not, he like, he wants to be part of the world, but they kind of treat him like trash. trash. Except for his dad, but his dad's, you know, trying to make sure he behaves. And That's fair. Um, so Broom explains to everyone that there was a statue that was destroyed and something trapped inside was freed. That's never good, uh, especially when you're dealing with monsters and demons. So once they get inside the actual establishment, Abe, uh, is doing some research cause he's got all these books. He's just going through books. I've got books. Uh, he comes up with the name Samael, uh, for the creature just across or just about the time Hellboy comes across the creature and tries to annihilate it. And he's like, nah, I got it. We're good. And he's like, yeah, Hellboy. Uh, he has the power of resurrection. So you might want to be careful. And then Hellboy turns around. He's like, ah, oh, shit. And then he, you know, back into fighting this whole fucking giant monster. Um, and then he actually, uh, Hellboy actually encounters Rasputin and all this mix who gives him this ominous warning about his future before Samael attacks again. Myers ends up showing, or sorry, yeah, Myers ends up uh, coming to the scene and shoots Sam Samael, much to Hellboy's disdain. He's like, dude, I work alone. Fucking told you that. Like, don't get in my way. Um, but then they end up hiding behind that, like, glass, whatever, whatever they're in. They're like, they're in a museum, so there's like a big glass box they hide behind. And uh, that's when Myers notices that weird... They were behind a dumpster because he'd been thrown out a window. Oh, and I, he thought was they were in still, I thought they were still inside. No, they were with, in an with, alley. The, with, with the, when he has yeah, the creature they're behind a dumpster. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, he rip, he sees this seed-like creature on him, rips off, rips it off Hellboy's arm, and he's like, yo, save that so we can study that shit. Of course, he doesn't say it like that, obviously, but that's 
basically what goes on. Um, and then Hellboy shoots Samael with a tracking bullet that leaks green fluid, so you can just you know track that bitch down. They they tr- you know they chase him across the rooftops uh, through the crowded traffic scene, and you get this really one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie when Myers and Hellboy are in the street, and this car doesn't stop, and Hellboy's like red means stop, and just gooshes the front of the car, and it flips over them. Really cool scene. I'm pretty sure some part of that is definitely practical. At least I feel. Yeah, I feel like it was. Um, so that's a really cool scene. And then they go down to the subway. Uh, Hellboy and Samael are just fighting, fighting, fighting. Eventually he gets fed up with the fight and uh, grabs the train track and electrocutes Samael because apparently Rock is a good conductor. I didn't think that was a thing, but uh, whatever. Fuck logic, I guess. Unless I'm wrong. I don't think Rock is a... Didn't you Google that and find out I got mixed information. The first thing that popped up on Google is like, yeah, Rock's a great conductor. And then I kept going down. I was like, it's not a good conductor. And that's why I fucking hate the internet. Um, well, I mean, we also have to keep in mind the fact that it's not totally stone because he know, is, um, it's still flexible and movable and he's not entirely of this earth anyway. I so. know. Nonetheless, it was a pretty cool scene where he electrocutes Samael. Um, and then that's at the moment he's, cause he, you know, he kills the monster, but what we don't know about this is I think it'll be brought up later. I think I wrote this down later, so I'm going to leave it there for a second. Uh, but after that, uh, Hellboy turns off his radio, goes to see his old friend Liz, and she used to be with the BRPD, but then she committed herself into a mental institution. Um, I can't remember why she did it. Um, because she doesn't she like doesn't... feeling like a freak. She wants to there feel normal, and she um, still has incidents where she can't control her abilities. So. There you go. That's it. Um, so obviously, you know, Hellboy's not supposed to be doing that because he's supposed to be, you know, under surveillance and shit like that. So eventually, Myers does show up. And uh, takes him back to the waste management plant. And then Myers, at this point, looks up Liz Sherman's file and finds out that she's a pyrokinetic. And she accidentally killed a whole bunch of people accidentally with her powers in her childhood, which is a catalyst for why she is the way she is. I I assume that's probably why she's also in the mental institution as well. Because, like, yeah, I don't want to start any more fires. I don't want to be a... I think she actually said the words, I don't want to be a fire starter. And I was like, ah. She said she didn't like the word fire starter. Oh, there you go, yeah. And she didn't... And she said, I don't like the term fire starter. And I don't... And she said she didn't like the t- uh, term pyrokinetic because it sounded like a... Uh, a freak. I don't no. Be a um, freak. I know. I was just saying things. Riffing. Well, I forgot the word. I I'm sorry. Say now, oh, so. my God. Anyway, I, continue on. Jeez. Uh, anyways, uh, Manning, uh, Tom Manning, who was played by fucking the, oh, God damn it. What's his name? I had it in my head. Ah, look it up for me. I can't remember. Um, but Manning is like the, uh, what would you call him? Like the director, the director. Oh, well, excuse me. Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor. There we go. Uh, Manning and Professor Broom are not happy about what Hellboy is doing. You know, he's never really liked Hellboy to begin with. He always calls him a freak and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, Hellboy's not a fan of Manning as well either. Um, so this is when Abe Sapien uses his tele- tele- telepathy to show Professor Broom what happened at the museum. We see Cronin killing two guards while Rasputin freed Samael, enchanting the beast with the type of magic that will make two new creatures arise for everyone that dies. So even though he has this resurrection ability, he can still be killed in some sort of way, which like, doesn't really make sense, but whatever. Um, so yeah, if he's someone able is able to kill him, two more of him pop up, and uh, that's just not good for anyone. Abe also learns through the telepathic exchange that the professor is very sick, 
But, uh, you know, he's like, please don't tell Hellboy. You know, I don't want to worry him. You know, it's, it's not nothing that can be done about it. So please just keep it a secret. And Abe's like, fuck, man. Why you got to do this shit to me? That's want... exactly what he said. Fuck, to man. <laughs> Anyways, uh, later that night, Hellboy's being examined by Abe and, Bro- Abe and Broom. Weird names to say. They find the cluster of eggs in Hellboy's, Hellboy's arm where uh, it's like something kind of spore-like was attached to him. And uh, Broom decides the next day that they will go back to the subway and look for more eggs. And later that night, we see Rasputin visiting Liz in secret, which is weird. Like, just going there to, like, unlock her powers because he uses his powers to unlock her worst memory, which is the day of the explosion. And then that activates her fire-starting abilities, destroying the hospital. Like, fuck, dude, that's two things I've killed and destroyed. Not good. That's cool. Not a good time. It's a yeah. cool scene, though. That scene is fucking... We, uh, we got the 4K Ultra HD. That Looked bl- dope. That scene looks so amazing. Probably my favorite scene uh, visually. Just, it was just striking. Um, going back, uh, we see Hellboy uh, and Broom the next day uh, discussing um, why Hellboy files its horns. I can't remember why. Could you fill me in on that one? I know he, like, he just doesn't want to have... I can't remember why he does, he does it, it to fit in. Oh, they oh yeah, to fit in. Even though you still have two giant stumps on your head, it's fine. But I mean, the horns are obviously would make you stand out a lot more. Plus, he's a big dude, anyways. So, uh, and he's bright red. And he's bright red. That's true. Um, and then uh, Myers tries to bring back Liz, hopefully recruiting her into the BRPD once more. She reluctantly obliges and comes back, right? Or no? Yes, but uh, on her he, own terms or something. I can't remember. He uh, convinces her by saying that he didn't. Co- he he came alone. And they would go together, um, just two people, normal people in a taxi, and that she would not be under any special precautions or anything, that she would just be welcomed back to stay there. But uh, she wouldn't be treated like any different than any other normal person. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Which so, is yeah. what she wants. Well, yeah. I want to just, I just be treated like a normal, because I am a normal person. I just set things on fire sometimes. Sorry. God. Uh, you channeling Liz now. Yeah. Hellboy, Clay, and Abe, uh, two other agents, they return to the sewers to look for some eggs. Uh, Abe jumps into the cistern to capture a cluster of eggs, but is attacked and badly injured by another Samael. Uh, The two agents are attacked and killed by yet another one, which Hellboy chases after. Clay is left behind and winds up getting stabbed by Cronin, who then apparently commits suicide when he just kind of like uh, turns his thing like yeah he pretty much is running on gears his he's like he's dust at his uh insides are dust at this point no that's the next guy oh 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 sorry 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 yes i see what you're saying yes, yes i'm sorry he, i'm sorry he um he is pretty much running on mechanics so essentially he turns his like mechanics to stop his heart for a period of time yeah and I, honestly he's one of my favorite villains just like that has ever existed because of how he looks He's constantly like changing masks too, I feel. I swear to God, every scene I saw him in, I was like, is that a different variation yeah. of your mask? Like dope as fuck. Well, there's a scene where um, Hellboy sees oh, that's like right, six that's or right. seven nervous masks. Remember, because I said I would be super petty and just eat those into the fire and be like, how about fuck you? Was that, was that an added scene or was that? Uh, no, uh, okay. that okay. was. That was always in there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, then there you go. I must have missed that. Um. Anyway, so, yeah, he's just so cool. And the whole gear thing, how he kind of winds himself up like one of those toys. He can also apparently wind himself down and kind of lie there unconscious, which is which is pretty cool. So, yeah, he apparently commits suicide. And then we see Hellboy chasing uh, one of the Sam Isles in the subway station, killing him, smashing the monster onto an oncoming train. 
And that's one of my favorite scenes too, is when he jumps on the train and that guy's trying to like the conductor of the little uh, subway cars, like bash him on the head. He's like, I'm on your side. He's like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Keeps bashing. I'm like, like, motherfucker. <laughs> I love that though. Cause you're like, yeah, right, buddy. Yeah. Right. Okay. Pal, you're red and you have a stone arm. Okay. Let me just, let me take what you say with a grain of salt. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's a whole crazy scene events. And then back at the BRPD, Manning reveals that Abe will, uh, recover, but Clay is too badly wounded and most likely will not survive the night. Uh, Manning and Hellboy clash, of course, both angry with ha- what happened. And then, oh yeah, here we go. Meanwhile, Liz has decided to come back to the BRPD, but as long as she's treated like a normal human being, which she deserves. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then we, I love this scene too. When you go to Hellboy in his room, struggling to write a letter for Liz, because he's got a thing for her. And I'm pretty sure they were a thing at some point, right? Weren't they a thing at some point? Um, He's always he just always he's liked her. Been in love with her, and uh, okay. she struggles with that affection because she does care about him. Right, but um, I think he even expresses at one point he knows that part of the reason she's reluctant to be in a relationship is because um, being with him makes her stand out more. True, yeah, and she does not want to stand out. She wants to do the opposite. So uh, yeah, we go to him in his room, and he's struggling to write letters, and there's literally paper over the entire floor. His whole entire bedroom floor is covered in them. Um, and she reveals that she's going to date Myers. And Hellboy, of course, gets angry at that, put, uh, puts it aside and decides to follow them that night. And I love the scene where he's following them through the city, meets up with that random dude on the roof. The watching, kid. Yeah, the kid watching them like talk and stuff like that. He's getting all jealous. And you're like, oh. Well, he just she just says uh, Myers is uh, I'm going out to get coffee. Myers is taking me. They're or not whatever. like officially well, uh, yeah, I understand. dating, but Date, Hellboy's. Go out, whatever. Are, but, you know, Hellboy's already like. Oh, oh sorry, concerned. sorry, sorry. Going on a date. Sorry, sorry, yes. sorry. Um, I wrote, but I like an wrong. unofficial kind of date because like she knows she wouldn't straight up do that. To no, I know. Hellboy anyway. But um, he's he's concerned about it because Myers is like a good looking normal guy, which is the opposite of what he wants. Um, yeah. So that's fair. Poor Hellboy. Um, after that, we go back to Broom and he's doing an autopsy of sorts on Cronin. Uh, we learn that Cronin is over a hundred years old. His body is like extremely mutilated. Uh, a lot going on with that. And, uh, when the professor leaves to go grab something or whatever, Cronin uses a type of clockwork mechanism to restart his heart and allows Rasputin into the BRPD. Uh, Rasputin confronts the professor taunting him for not, uh, for not knowing Hellboy's true purpose or name. Broom responds that as far as he's concerned, Hellboy's proper title is son because he really is a son to um, to Broom. And then uh, we have Rasputin, uh, Grant, who uh, grants uh, Broom a brief glimpse into the future where we see Hellboy is responsible for bringing like the apocalypse, Armageddon, whatever you want to call it. And he looks dope as fuck. He's got his cloven hooves because he was supposed to, they were supposed to do that in these movies. They were going to give Ron Perlman hooves, but like he couldn't really do, like it would be really hard to do all the stunts in those. So they just gave him boots. But uh, you see Hellboy in his true form with the horns and the fire in the middle of his head looking badass as all hell. And then uh, that's when Cronin decides to execute Professor Broom. Uh, And that's where I'll leave it because then shit after this just pops the fuck off and it gets even wilder than it already has. Um, So I'll leave you with that. Um, Yeah, thoughts, feelings real quick so we can get to the next one. Oh, yeah. Um, I really like this one. I feel like it's darker and grittier than the second one. Um I, I really like the 
the like the World War Two tie-ins with it and um, the use of Rasputin, who they kind of used to tie in the whole concept of paranormal and what we believe to be real because they're like, this is all the things that happened to Rasputin and yet he was alive and we see him here tonight. And um, I the only things I don't really like about it is, um, which I feel like they proved upon on Hellboy 2, as is Liz's character seems kind of she's struggling with her own feelings, but she seems more indifferent to Hellboy and you really can't gauge where she's coming from. Um, which I know they, they wanted to like have her struggle with her feelings anyway, but it's not particularly clear. Um, but overall I really liked, I, I like, I really enjoy this movie. It's really cool. Um, it's a unique concept. Obviously they did a really good job on, the character of Hellboy himself. So. Why do you keep keep trailing off? Fuck off! I'm talking at the volume I want to talk at. You got to talk at a consistent thing so I can hear you, man. I'm really low. Really You're gonna hear here. me in a second. Wow. Okay. So anyway, I really enjoy this movie. Same. Cool. Likewise. No, yeah, it's really fun. You know, I've been watching. I said like I've been watching this for years. Still holds up, honestly. Like it really, especially with the 4K, uh, really holds up. Sounded amazing. Uh, of course, you have the director kind of like signatures in there. There's a bunch of cogs and gears and stuff like that, as we all know that he likes. And uh, no, it really wasn't many insects. I mean, besides a little insect in the eggs and stuff like that, because that's what he that's what Del Toro likes. He likes insects and like clocks and gear working. There's gear workings. that bit where they're going to look for Samuel and uh, Hellboy lifts up that sewer cover and they're just roaches everywhere. And yeah. Abe, Abe's like, we live a charmed life. <laughs> Well, um, don't worry. There's more little creatures, insecty things in the next one, kind of. I mean, tooth, the tooth fairies kind of remind me of like a insecty flying thing. Yeah, I will say the one inconsistency with this film I didn't, I thought was weird, and I don't know why I never noticed it before. But the fact that uh, Ilsa kills that guy earlier in the film with the hammer, she just like wails him over the head one, or no, he gets stabbed, but like she like wails on some stuff with that hammer and it is a heavy hammer it's enough to break a wall of ice yeah and she um wails myers in the head at one point with it and he is vaguely dazed by that shit i'm like at that distance with a hammer that big she would have dented his fucking skull probably yeah if not immediately killed him yeah there's some weird mechanics going on with this movie as well as the next movie that don't really perfectly work out but then you know like you said it is kind of you know it's a comic book or you know graphic novel whatever i was it a comic book or, or, or is it it's both a, it's a graph it, it's kind yeah. of both, okay yeah. so you know that's it's not really based in reality but they they do heavily base it in some sort of reality yeah so it's it's kind of a weird line that they play with uh reality and not reality uh let's see here so let's go on some trivia uh, Doug Jones's voice was dubbed by David Hyde Pierce, but Pierce refused to credit or to be credited because he felt that Abe was entirely Doug's creation and did not wish to detract from his performance. And what's actually funny about this too is the fact that they thought David Hyde Pierce would bring in the audience because he's a big name, I guess. I, I don't know. Maybe because was... he was on Frasier. He's oh, the brother duh. on Frasier. Yeah, but since he wasn't credited in the movie, that like I, I saw trivia about like how they think that affected it because. It could have made more money if people saw that he was attached to it. And I'm like, maybe, but, you know, whatever. I like that he respected Doug Jones enough yeah. to be like, I'm not doing, like, I'm nope. not taking the role because you did. Um, did a great job. Yeah. Uh, that, which is pretty cool. And here's something I said earlier. Much of the demonology in this movie was inspired by Cthulhu mythos developed by H.P. Lovecraft, a horror writer in the 30s, Samael, 
Uh, the Samael creatures have characteristics of both the... Who, uh, Come on. I want to hear you say it. Nyar Lithotep, Nyar Lithotep and Cthulhu, elder gods, uh, many-eyed and tentacled, sleeping at the edge of the universe, are staples of his book. So, yeah, that's why... I get, you know, you get a Lovecraftian vibe because they're kind of you know, similar to other Lovecraft uh, gods, demons, whatever you want to call them. Now, this is interesting right here because Del Toro opted out of Alien versus Predator and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban to do this movie. I agree with that, but I really want to see the Harry, the Prisoner of Azkaban directed by Del Toro. Are you I kidding me? I want to see Del Toro direct all of them. Well, yes. Because, okay. well, okay. Think about it this way. Del Toro has this dark... What? I'm sorry. Am go I ahead. No, you? no. Go ahead. I just trying to get in front of me. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So, um, Del Toro has like this dark style to him. He has this very magical fantasy style to what he does. And he does a lot of his stuff from a child's perspective anyway. And if you really think about the freaking ha- events of the Harry Potter films deeply unsettling that a child is or like that children are experiencing that. And I feel like you really could have like made that focus a little clearer that the fact that uh, this kid is, he's like literally barely in his teens um, through his teens and being attacked by this guy constantly fearing for his life. I mean, you really could have made that into something wild. No, I know. I mean, I just, I don't really think he would have worked for one or two because those are much more lighthearted kind of joyful movies. Uh, so, like, I mean, I'd still like to see him do it, but I would really like to see him. And Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite, as it is, most, as it is a lot of people's, uh, at least according to the ratings. Um, but, yeah, seeing him do this would have been freaking awesome because I already love that movie so much. And I don't know. I, just, I would have loved to live in the universe where he did Azkaban because I think it would have been fucking awesome. And he actually could. This actually comes back up in the next movie, too. Uh, Hellboy 2. I uh, already said this about the cloven hoofs for feet, like the comics. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't really do stunts, so they just gave him booted feet because fucking that would be so much work. Um, it took anywhere from five to seven hours to apply Doug Jones's makeup. It took another three hours to reverse the process, so sometimes pieces of the suit were not removed so that it would be easier to put the costume on the next day. And uh, Ron Perlman's only took, I say only, but his only took up to four hours a day to apply. Um, Doug Jones also has a cameo appearance out of makeup as one of the patients at the Bellamy Psychiatric Hospital. Didn't see him there, but on, yeah. And upon next rewatch, I will be sure to pay attention. And uh, this was really weird because I'm glad they did not go with these choices right here because the studio wanted Vin Diesel to play Hellboy, and The Rock was also considered. Fucking nope, 100 percent would not have worked. I think The Rock would have had Maybe. potential, but Vin Diesel's. I'm sorry, dude. Oh, he he's too fairly. serious. Yeah, he's too serious. Like um, he takes a like. And not to say I don't like his movies, but he always seems to like, if he's got a darker character, he takes it way too seriously. Well, and the, this was 2004, so was The Rock acting heavily in the early 2000s? He was doing like, Scorpion King things. Okay. I, I could see The Rock doing, like, if The Rock did the remake, if he was Hellboy in the remake, I think that would have been fucking, he would have killed that role. But I don't. I can't remember when The Rock really started becoming, like, popular. Like, he's in everything like the 2010s, he fucking rose to power. I swear, he's so much more famous. I mean, he's already famous to begin with since he was a wrestler. But um, yeah, can you? Are you looking up his? Uh, yeah, see, see when he first started getting into all the acting stuff because like, I don't really think it was that early. I mean, okay, well, he did um, his first cameo appearance as his own dad in uh, that 70s show, but he was in 
Um, the Mummy Returns in 2001. Okay. The Scorpion King in 2002. And then he was in um, Walking Tall, that movie he did where he was the yeah, lead. Yeah, with Sean uh, that was William 2004. Scott. That was 2004. All right. So, I mean, yeah. He, so, he had just really started really kind of... He was starting to break out into acting at that point. So, yeah. I don't think it would have worked back then. But The Rock now, especially with how he looks... Oh, dude. Yeah. He could have killed the role now. Um, He's shit, we got to go, dude. Oh, my goodness. I'm talking way too much about this movie. Uh, director cameo, Guillermo del Toro, dressed as a dragon in a crowd of costume people menaced by Samael. Rating six out of ten, or 6.8 out of 10 on... The IMDb, I believe it's a 3.3. I didn't freaking write it down. I think it's a 3.3 out of 5. They both were. Yeah, 3.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. So move to the next one. On, let's go. Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. This film opened... Oh, sorry. It's rated PG-13. Runtime of two hours. It's action fantasy adventure released on July 11, 2008. Director, shockingly, Del Toro. Starring, shockingly, everyone from the last film except for the guy who played Myers because he was unavailable for filming... But then we also have Luke Gross as Prince Nuada, um, who was also in Blade 2 as Nomad, or Nomak. Uh, Seth MacFarlane is Johan. Um, God help you if you don't know who Seth MacFarlane is. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, uh, for real. Like. <laughs> Anna Walton as Princess Nuada. Um, their names were the same? It's Prince Nuada and Princess Nuada. I don't know why my brain didn't put that together. Yeah, I'm like, um, uh, you wrote she that really was well. also uh, in Rain, which was really jarring because I'm like, oh. why? Well, she's in makeup in this, and I saw her in Rain, and I was like, why do I know this bitch's voice so well? And I looked up, and I'm like, this oh bitch. shit. Okay, so at a budget of 85 million and only grossed 168 million, apparently their margin for success greatly increased in the second film. I was gonna say, yeah, they they made double their budget in this one, just which about. was not good enough. Um, movies that came out around the same time The yeah. Happening The Incredible Hulk Get Smart The Love Guru Mariska Hargitay Mariska Hargitay uh, Wally Wanted Hancock Mamma Mia The Dark Knight Journey to the Center of the Earth Step Brothers Midnight Meat Train The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor And Pineapple Express And like, nobody should ever watch The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor all Or those, Love Guru every, Okay except for Except for Mummy And The Love Guru Every single one of those movies Fucking slapped dude I didn't see Journey to okay, the Center of the Okay maybe not The Happening so. And The Incredible Hulk Okay 75% of those movies Are fucking It's a 50-50 But they were all pretty popular Especially you gotta look at Wally. Mamma Mia and the Dark Knight, those are like huge grossing movies. I mean, Dark Knight made over a billion dollars, I think, I, be I believe. I, think. I made a fuck ton of money. And yeah. It also made more money, unfortunately, because of the whole shooting incident well, that happened. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, uh, specific horror moments. My favorite would obviously have to be the freaking tooth fairies, um, especially when they... Um, start attacking the one guy and they're like pulling his mouth open yeah. before they drag him down the stairs. I can't, I don't, I don't can't remember. I don't know. It, there was a, uh, it was a lot of good stuff in there. I can't pinpoint one right now because I'm, I just can't remember, but there was a lot of good stuff. I remember being like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> they amped it up for show. And they definitely amped up the, the humor in this one. There were some extremely funny moments in this one. Um, so this one is based, has more basis in uh, Irish lore this time. Which I really appreciate that they kind of switched up. They didn't just kind of do a one track thing. They're kind of, they're establishing that you know there's all these different kind of mythos, so it's it's nice to branch out. And um, 
it opens up on in Christmas or at Christmas time and Hellboy is a young kid uh, watching Howdy Doody. Um, but he was also played by a 36-year-old actress, and it shows, man. It was really jarring. <laughs> um, when he's not moving or speaking, it looks fine. But then when the talking happens, it's really bizarre. Because they dubbed over, so it's like, okay. Yeah, and um, so it's Christmas Eve, and he convinces um, Professor Broom to share with him a story. And he shares the story of the Golden Army and how... Um, Many, many, many years ago, men had a hole in their heart that they could not fill. So they um, wanted more power and more land. So they fought with the uh, elves and the elves fought back. And it was like this whole ter- like terrible war. And um, one day the king or the uh, the goblin or like the leader of the goblins, I think it was, um, comes to... Um, comes to the king of the elves and um says he can build him an army um 70 times 70 soldiers who do not eat sleep um and cannot be stopped and so he um his uh son prince nuada convinces him to agree to this army he does and um they just obliterate humans and the king of the elves feeling so terribly about um all this death um, finally agrees to a peace with the humans where they will have the cities and the elves will have the um, forests and live in harmony forever. Um, and Prince Nuada, who is so angered by this, he feels like it is a mistake to trust men because they are untrustworthy, leaves and says he will come back when uh, his people need him and they break apart the crown that um controls the only uh, the golden army and um break it into three pieces and keep two for themselves and give one to man and this is the only way the golden army can be controlled um by someone of royal blood um as long as they go unchallenged and so he hears this story then we cut to present day where oh my god i totally just spaced are you good? Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm still here. Okay. Um, okay. So back in present day, Hellboy is kind of uh, living quasi cozy with um, Liz. Uh, they're living together, but they are arguing. And the um, director, whose name you forgot. No, I've forgotten. Um, Manning. Thank you. Director Manning is talking to Abe about their relationship and about how um, Hellboy doesn't respect him and is constantly mocking him and constantly getting out and getting seen and making his job so much harder because Manning's job is to make sure everything stays a secret. So. Oh, yeah, because doesn't he show him a picture of himself? He's like, or he's like, don't do this. You're not supposed to be seen or, or something like that. Like, he, yeah. yeah, they go through pictures of people spotting him in public. Yeah, like, because You're not supposed uh, to exist, dude. so while he and uh, so when Abe and Manning are going to talk to Hellboy and Liz, uh, Liz blows the door off of their uh, room. <laughs> and um, while they're in the middle of arguing about uh, Hellboy not giving her or respecting her items and uh giving her space to live in their 
room. Um, the alarms go off and they have to go deal with an issue. So while this is happening, we um, we see Prince Nuada, who is doing kicky flippies um, in the underground, um, I guess, practicing against invisible enemies. Yeah, I was like, does he know that it's- there's nobody there? Because there's, there's no one there. And he stops to talk to his homie, who's this big troll-looking guy. Uh, Mr. Wink. Mr. Wink. I wanted to say it. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Whose name is Mr. Wink. Um, Mr. Wink. Wow. <laughs> and they talk about these. They, he kind of gestures to these two boxes and says, yes, I are like, I have them here. They haven't been eating. I haven't fed them at all. Like, <laughs> And um, do he that, does do that evil laugh again. <laughs> well, because he just leaves like I haven't fed them <laughs> all day. <laughs> um, Self five. And then we Ow. cut. He's like, so I'm going to go up first and then you follow me with the boxes like cool. So then we cut into a. Um, auction house. Sorry, I couldn't think I was trying to think of the word opera auction house Ooh. where. um they are auctioning off random items. They um, they are auctioning off the Venus of Urbino, I want to say, but it's like a giant version and not the teeny tiny version that it actually is. And um, yeah, because it's only like six inches tall in real life. And this is like a good nine foot, ten foot statue. Uh, is a big bitch. It's, it's, it's slightly scaled up and it's a fertility statue. <laughs> um, so... It cuts to them and they are auctioning off what appears to be a piece of the crown and Prince Nuada intervenes, uh, pretty much roasts everybody in the room is like, you're all vapid and shallow and empty. And um, then Mr. Uh, While they're yelling for security, Mr. Wink yeets the security into the room with his crazy retractable metal hand. The coolest shit ever. I love Mr. Wink. Yeah. And, um, then they open, they take the crown piece and open up these boxes. And, um, so then we cut back to where Hellboy and Liz and Abe are all coming into this place, which has been a few hours since this whole incident started. And there's nobody there. The lights are out. They don't know what the hell's going on. Um, and while they're looking around, they notice the floor is really sticky. And Abe tells them that there are tooth fairies inside the building and Hellboy's like, that's hilarious. And he's like, no, I mean, like, because they are creatures who all they do is eat and poop. And that's why the floor's all sticky and they leave nothing left. Um, And they go for the teeth first. Yes. Hence the name, which is really shocking. So when they're (laughs) trying to figure out where they're coming from, uh... They notice a swarm coming, uh, starting to break through the wall, and Abe uh, pushes Liz back and shockingly finds out, and she doesn't know. Uh, He tells her that she is, in fact, pregnant. And. um, Oh, sorry, real quick. It's kind of funny the similarities between one and this one, where Abe finds out that, uh, you know, um, Broom is sick because he touches him, and then he. I, th- I didn't realize that. That's kind of funny that like, really early on in the movie, Abe knows a secret about someone else. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. I, I don't know why I just put that together. Sorry. Yeah. So um, then they're, they're trying to fight off all these damn tooth fairies, which are the coolest looking little creatures. Um, there are these spindly legs and these big round heads and crazy teeth. They actually kind of re- uh, are reminiscent of the uh, uh, creatures he used for Don't Be Fair to the Dark. Del Toro's. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So... Um, 
while they're they're having a trouble because they're being swarmed, the other uh, bodyguards, like the other agents that are there, have been eaten. Um, and they're trying to get Abe up into a safe because Liz is going to roast all these bitches, and she as she's like starting to kind of gear up um, for this because now she has a stronger control over her abilities. Um, she tells Hellboy to get away from the fucking windows, which then he backs up to the windows and when she explodes the fire outwards he is launched out of the window and onto a cop car and then is revealed to the whole city what does he say before he pops out like mama i'm coming home or something like that what does he Uh, say he said uh hello world or something like that (laughs) and um yeah he's extremely selfish as a character because you know he he cares about other people but he's really self-serving in that he wants to be seen so badly he doesn't care that he's hurting other people to get it done. Um, so once he's been revealed, they are now running on other missions and uh, trying to sort these things out, but he is no longer hiding. So the media sees them. Abe and Liz are both extremely uncomfortable about this. And so when they are going to... Um, or So then... In order to deal with this situation, uh, the gov- they have a new liaison, a new head to replace Professor Broom, who comes, whose name is Johann, uh, Johann Strauss. And um, he is essentially in an old-timey, like, like he... scuba diving suit with a glass head filled with smoke. It's, it's the best way to describe it. It literally looks like a... Wh- like a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea type outfit. But also what they... It's like it's like they're... So, okay, put yourself back in the olden times and, like, how people used to portray the future. It's almost like it was... He was built in, like, the 50s of, like, this is what the 2000s are going to look like. Or but, something. like, steampunk. Yeah, with steampunk and, you know, cogs again, of course, because it's Del Toro and smoky things. And it's very, very... Very, very cool, and um, you obviously can tell it's uh, Seth MacFarlane, but it it's different enough than most of the other voices he does, so it's not jarring, and it doesn't sound like he's doing like a Stewie or something like that. Okay, yeah. Okay, I was just, I was just saying it was good. Um, no, you're fine. Uh, so he uses his ability because he can take... Um, he is a... Uh, Apparition. We, he's not an apparition. He. I mean, he's just made of. He's made of smoke. Yeah, I can't think of the exact word I want. Um, oh, but okay. he uses. Um, he can put this smoke into uh, inanimate and animate objects, and kind of bring them to life. So he brings one of the fairies back to life uh, long enough to ask them where he was purchased and kind of get some information. And he says he was bought in the troll market before dying. And they're like, well. Nobody's ever found the troll market. <laughs> and they're like, well, it says it's under the, it says specifically it's under this side of the Brooklyn Bridge. And they're like, yeah, but we've never found it. And uh, Johan's like, that's because you never went with me. So when they go, they're kind of walking around. They're not hiding. And uh, Hellboy keeps bumping into people who are like, oh, you're Hellboy. Like, yep, that's me. And you're like, you're ugly. Oh, wow. Fuck off, bitch. <laughs> Apparently people are delightful in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> so they get, Johan brings out these cool, like binocular type things. It's this, uh, head apparatus thing that allows them to see things, um, that you would not normally see. So they find a troll and force her to let them into the, uh, the troll market. And after her, um, while Hellboy and Johan are off interrogating people and trying to get information, Abe 
sees a woman walking with the um, royal crest for the elves and follows her. And he finds out this is Princess Nawada. And she um, has been uh, running off from her brother because uh, while they're dealing with all this fairy bullshit, um, Prince Nawada has gone to his father and uh, pretty much gooshed him to get his crown piece. And um, then they... um, into the fact that uh, Prince and Princess Nuwata are twins and um, are linked together in a way that they can kind of see in some pieces what the other one sees, but mostly um, if one of them gets injured, the other one gets the same injuries. Pretty another, um, another cool like plot device. Yeah, and it's interesting because when Prince Nuwata refuses to back down um, to his father, his father's like, oh, great, but then I have no choice. I have to... You have to die. And then he uh, asks Prince Nuad asks his sister, are you okay with your king's verdict? And she's like, yes, I am at peace with it. So she's gone on. She's run off to the troll market to hide out, but also to get the map that is needed to get. Um, so that way she can take it away before her brother can get to it. And um, when Abe meets up with her, they she has the same kind of ability he has where they read each other's hands and it's super fucking cute. They have a whole a whole little side thing going they on. They have it's a so little cute. cute romance thing and I'm so... Can we get, can we get the spinoff of them just going to do shit? That would be There's cool. like the whole thing where um, she's like, oh, I will learn about you through your hand. And he's like, oh, I learned about you too. And you're like, okay. Like, oh, God, he's so Abe freaking needs adorable. a lady. <laughs> so, um... Abe is trying uh expresses to her that he can help her and um then Mr. Wink sees them breaks in and uh Abe sends her to run off um so he can personally get thrown about the room by Mr. Wink. But it's a then, big dude by the way. Did we express how tall Mr. Wink is? Like he's he's, like, he's a bit taller than Hellboy. Like seven foot something. He's kind of looks like a uh, warthog. He's got like a, he looks like somebody out of uh, World of Warcraft. Honestly, he looks like One a the, like a troll. Troll, yeah, troll. There's fucking, a, a few things that kind of categorize themselves as a troll in this, awesome but like all different kinds of trolls. If they yeah. have a Funko Pop of him, I need that. They don't. Damn it! Fucking yeah, sorry. Ah, um, boo. So. Hellboy steps in, um, and uh, unfortunately, Mr. Wink does not make it. I so, know, poor little, poor little buddy. But they do get, uh, they do get um, the princess out of there, and uh, while they're trying to escape, um, Prince Nuada does a really dick move and uh, unleashes the last um, forest god in existence into the city. Um, who then starts destroying things because it's giant. It's really not its fault. It's huge. And it was also ordered to kill Hellboy. Evil. So um, Hellboy is trying to save a baby um, and help save the day and all of that. And uh, Prince Nawada um, explains to him that he can either choose the humans um, who don't even care or don't even like him. Um, or he can, uh, but he, in doing so, he's going to have to kill the last of this beautiful creature, uh, and there will be no more. And is that what he, who he wants to be, um, choose the humans over his own, like people, so to speak. <laughs> but it's like, okay, guys, I know it's not his fault, but big guys here fucking shit up. You uh, did this. Yeah. I kind of have to get rid of him. I know he's the last of his kind. I'm sorry, but like, I can't just have to yeah. destroy my city. Catch 22, man. 
Yeah. So or something um, like that. Sort of. <laughs> uh, so he unfortunately has to kill this beast, but he thinks he does it, you know, for the good of everyone else. Like he he's trying to save the day, and people are real assholes because he like steps up, tries to save the day for them. And they immediately are like, why did you take that lady's baby? Give back the baby. Why are you doing? And he's like, I was just trying to help. And then... Um, Fucking save that thing, man. And someone throws a rock at him. And Liz, who's like trying to defend him, he, like she, all he's ever done is help you people. And you don't even like respect or care about him. And he's literally saved your ass so many times. I'm going to... Oh, and um, when someone throws something, she literally... She, she um, like... Lit. She gets lit. Yeah. <laughs> she... Uh, kind of turn uh, like the flames start coming out of her and she's like mm, and they're like oh, like, oh, oh shit, no no you, no you and she's like i swear to god someone throw something else just do it she didn't fire. say that but she like she says it with her eyeballs yeah yeah so they all go back to the uh lair and um they're dealing they're kind of talking to uh abe is talking to princess noada and how um he wants to protect her and help her and they're kind of flirting with each other and uh, she's saying her brother will find her eventually because it's just the connection they have. And um, then Hellboy kind of has a uh, moment with Johan because they don't agree with each other where Johan pretty much beats Hellboy's ass after Hellboy punches a hole in his suit. Which was super fun. I really love how he just like smashes him repeatedly with like, since he's smoke, he just kind of goes into the lockers and starts smashing them into uh, Hellboy. Well, doesn't he say, uh, does he actually get to say what his worst quality is before he smashes him in the face? Oh yeah, he can't, uh, Hellboy can't control his temper. Yeah, he's like, you can't control your, it's like, goosh, and then he's like, and Hellboy's like, oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. That was such a funny scene, but then you see he's all smoke, so he's like. I'm still here, bitch. You didn't kill me. Yeah, and he is also, uh, Hellboy's also talked to Liz, who has said she um, hasn't told him that she's pregnant yet, but has decided that she's going to uh, go away for a while to think. And um, so when he he's walking around, he starts to hear um, music. So he goes into the library where Abe is pretending to listen to classical music, and he's like, nah, motherfucker, what are you listening to? And it's Can't Smile Without You. And um, he's like, oh, my God, you're in love with the princess. And he's like, I just want to take care of her. He's like, yep, you're in love. You're going to need a beer. And he's like, my body is a temple. And Hellboy goes, well, now it's an amusement park. Oh, yeah. That's Which my, is what, this is the best line. It's my favorite part of this whole, well, not my favorite part, but one of my favorite, like, funny parts of this movie is just them sitting there singing, can't live or can't smile without you. Getting drunk and just drink. Go ahead. Yeah, just getting blasted on Takate beer or whatever it was, and then sneaking into the room later when they're around Liz, and they're like, Sheesh, shut up. And you're like, You guys are fucking screaming at each other's faces. You're gonna wake right there. You're gonna wake her up. It was such a good scene. I, I, I like that, seeing them all drunk and goofy. It was funny. Yeah, and unfortunately, while they're drunk and talking, um, this gives Prince Nuada the time to uh, break in, and um, while the princess has hidden the piece, she realizes he's coming, so she's hidden the piece in a book that she and Abe were reading. Um, he has, uh, he's at least found the map and um, pretty much threatens Abe that he will um, kill her if he doesn't get the piece. And that doesn't really work. Um, he 
gets into a little bit of a tussle with Hellboy, stabs him in the chest with a blade um, that cannot be removed oh, by yeah. them. And uh, he's like, either your friend dies or you bring me the peace. You can find it. And, Make uh, your choice. Live or die. Yeah. And so he leaves with his sister um, to go find the Golden Army and wait for them to bring the final piece of the crown. And that is where I'm going to leave it. Oh, nice. Perfect timing. We're right on time now. Yeah. Good stuff. So, again, I I do really love this one a lot. And um, I, I just love the the, the little side romance. Um, I feel like you get more of a feel for uh, Liz and Hellboy's relationship and that she does really care about him. She just wishes that uh, she was enough, not his obsession with being loved by everybody. Like, she really struggles with the fact that she wants to feel important to him, which is a very, like, understandable feeling. Is you, yeah. you like, wanting to feel um, important enough to your significant other that even if it's just, like, the two of you, it's enough. Just the two of us. So, um... I really do like that. I think they have better relationship developments. I just don't like that you miss out on things like you don't get to see any development with the whole pregnancy thing. Um, I mean, you know, as far as like her actually having the kids, because obviously they're not going to do yeah. that all in one movie. Um, and Johan uh, reveals that um, he has this troubled past um, that led to how he is now when you never get to hear about that. And, you know, there's just so much they left open. Um, and I really would have loved a third movie. Uh, yeah, because we, they, you know, it said that we know that, uh, oh my God, Liz was pregnant with two babies or twins or something. So we probably would have gotten little Hellboys that had like pyrokinesis, uh, or vice versa, like pyro, uh, maybe that, they were just pyro. That wouldn't make sense. Maybe they were just pyrokinesis. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. That's the same thing. It really is. Never mind. I'm stupid. They're just internally on fire. That um, would be crazy. No, um. No, yeah, that would have been awesome to see because then you could have, they could have gone a few years into the future when the kids were older and then it could have been the four of them just fighting off evil and monsters and chaos. I had to watch that film. <sighs> Sadly, we'll never see that. But yeah, I really enjoyed this one. I, I know I, I there was a few, three or four, like a few things that I was kind of, I know I was kind of nitpicking at, like the whole scene with them when they were getting attacked by all the tooth fairies. I'm sorry. It's like my, it's like, it's so annoying because they're sitting there trying to shoot all these things. I'm like, okay, one, you don't have enough bullets. Two, there's a million of things. Three, use your fire. It took them like five minutes to be like, oh, everybody moves so I can move my fire. Should have been done immediately. Well, consider how she feels about her abilities know, too. So it, she would not want to use it as a first thing. She'd want to use it as a last resort. Yeah, but when there's literally, I'd say there's like 10,000 of those things swarming around. And also they were attacking some people fully, but only biting other people. I don't know. I just, that whole scene is really cool to watch, but I was like, this doesn't fucking make any sense. So I don't know. I had a few random things with it, but it was much funnier. It was hysterical. I don't know. And that's not the first one wasn't funny, but I think they were trying to be a little darker. Yeah. They were trying to be more serious. So this one was much funnier, much more action. Um, a lot more monsters. It just felt bigger as a movie. It felt so much more open as the other one. You know, you're kind of contained to just the city and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I still thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, so, yeah, that, yeah, that's that's my opinions on it. I like the Golden Army. Those are some really cool things and how they, you know, got to the Golden Army, how they kind of, you know, you know, ended the battle. It was a really cool movie. It's a fun ride for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, do you want me to get to the trivia? Yeah, go ahead and read the trivia, then we'll rate it, and then we'll fucking say goodbye. Okay. Um, so as the angel of death, Jug, uh, Jug, Jug Jones, <laughs> Doug Jones could only see out of the crack across the mask he wore. In addition, 
The mechanical wings he were he was wearing weighed about 40 pounds. Doug was originally supposed to walk around the set, but when it was discovered that he could barely stand, they instead hung him from a wire. This is why the angel of death floats. He also did the uh, voice by doing each line twice in a higher pitch tone and then a lower pitch. And then the two takes were blended together, which is cool. That's really, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, Del Toro once again, turned down other movies to make this. He turned down making I am legend one missed call and Harry Potter and the half blood prince. Oh, I want those movies by Del Toro three and six was the best ones. Um, the damaged mask of Cronin from Hellboy can be seen in the glass case at the BPRD headquarters, which was funny. I knew there was something there and I couldn't remember to look for it. Dad. Um, Mr. Wink was named after Selma Blair's pet. I want a dog named Wink. Mr. Wink was not one eyed in this movie though. No, but still, but the dog was, but the dog was, uh, the resting place of the golden army was originally scripted to be underwater, requiring the main characters to swim to it. This concept was removed for budgetary reasons. That makes sense. Also that, Sounds like it would be a pain in the ass. <laughs> Especially um, in the Hellboy suit? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> seriously. Selma Blair had her hair cut short because she felt it um, wearing it long got in the way in the first film. I, which is funny because I told you specifically that I disliked her hair in the first film. It just yep. looked like too much. And I loved her hair so much more in the second film that I got that haircut. Yeah, you did. So. That's that's yeah. It has a 7 out of 10 on IMDb, and again, it has the same rating as the first Hellboy. 3-3, three, three, which does not happen. Usually, it's higher or lower. Same exact Consistency rating. Consistency is nice. Consistency is nice. So, yeah, this has 2.2 2 higher on IMDb. I gave them both fours. Uh, I really like the first movie movie for what it did. It set up the, you know, basically, you know, the whole story. And then four, I felt, um, wasn't as strong as, as the first one, but it was just more fun and more wacky and just more like more enjoyable. So I gave them the same rating because I liked them for different reasons, but equally. What about you? Let me uh, guess three and a half for the first one, four and a half for the second one. I say four for the first one. Oh, four and a half for the second one. Nice. I, I like, I, I really like the first one too. I just like the second one more because it's so much more expansive. Yeah, that's true. And the, the number of creatures in there. That's is just true. Ridiculous. Yeah. Like the whole troll thing. Like the lady under the bridge kills me. The whole like thing with her and the canary. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, hey, they're they're really good movies, and I know they're not horror apparently, but they're so awesome. Uh, yeah, so go watch those movies if you haven't. Go buy the 4Ks if you got a 4K player. Oh my god, they look amazing. Um, follow us on Facebook at Frightmares and Instagram at Frightmares Podcast. Slash your app at Frightmares Podcast as well. Twitter at Frightmares underscore Pod. Drop us a line at stayspooky at outlook.com. I am or I am Dr. Proctor on Letterboxd. You are Watson LMP90. Join us next week. Actually, you know what? You're not you can join us in five seconds if you go if you listen to the next episode because it's already up. Um, and then yes, join us next week as well as me and Spencer kick off slash Tober with I believe we've got two slashers from the 80s. I know all my picks are 80s for sure. I think his is 80s as well. Mine's all over the place. Yeah, yours and Corey, uh, it's going to be interesting because I know his is a newer movie. Mine's an older movie. I think yours is a newer movie as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. So Slashtober is going to be a lot of fun. We got a lot of good picks, a lot of under uh, underrated things, a lot of deep cuts. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Until next week, guys, stay tuned and stay spooky. Stay spooky. Goodbye. Goodbye.